Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you once again that we can be with you this morning, that we can draw close to you uh, with your people. Lord, we pray that you would help us as we look at the words of Jesus Christ from so long ago. We pray that we may feel that he is indeed speaking into our lives this morning, that he spoke to those people at that time, but he still speaks, and he speaks to us today. So, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts to your word, and may we indeed see wonderful things there. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we've begun again our study in John's Gospel, and we've been looking at John chapter 5 in particular, and we've had two messages on John chapter 5 since we uh, came back from a break. And we've now come to verse 16 of John chapter 5. And so if you're wanting to follow along this morning, which I encourage you to do so in the Black Church Bibles, that's page 1054. And what has happened earlier in John chapter 5 is that Jesus has healed a man who has been paralysed for 38 years. And you would think that this is wonderful news, which it is for the man, but... We've seen that this has gotten Jesus into trouble, particularly with the religious leaders, because this was all done on the Sabbath day. Uh, Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath, and the religious leaders have a problem with him healing people on the Sabbath day, on Saturday, the day that is meant to be the day of rest, according to the laws of God. And so now Jesus is under the microscope of the religious leaders. And he is going to give a defence of his actions in verses 16 and following. Uh, These Jews are now starting to persecute him. We read that in verse 16. It says, So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. And then we see Jesus talk about why he is able to do these things. Why, Why is he able to do these things? Why is he able to heal on the Sabbath? Why should the Jewish leaders be respecting him rather than persecuting him? Well, in the verses that follow, we will see that he makes a claim to be divine. He makes the claim that he is God, which is the ultimate response if someone is questioning why you are doing something. It doesn't get any higher than that to say that you are God, and that is what he is doing here. He's making the perfect defence of his actions, by saying, look, I am God, I am divine. And he does this in two particular ways. He claims his divinity in two particular ways. We could sum up verses 16 to 30, that there are two different ways that he shows that he is God, that he is equal with God. The first way is that he claims to know God personally. He claims to know God personally and make himself equal with God. And he does that by calling God his father. We read that in verse 17. Verse 17 of John chapter 5, we read, Jesus said to them, that's the the Jewish leaders, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Jesus claims that God is his father. How is that a claim to divinity? Well, the Jews recognize that it's a claim to divinity. If you look at the very next verse, verse 18, what does it say? For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now, we have been taught by Jesus as Christians to call God father. But at this time, 
for God's people to understand that God was your father is too close a relationship. It's too, they would recognize that God is a father in the way that he has made us, uh, that he has provided for us. But to actually call him father in this very personal way was seen to be too close to God. And so when Jesus says that God is his father, it is a claim to equality with God. And the relationship that he has with God as father, the things that he says he, he sees and does in relationship to the father also claim, makes a claim to his divinity, that he is divine. What does Jesus say? Well, Jesus says that he sees God doing things uh, in a way that other people don't see God. He claims that personal relationship with God as father. Verse 19, it says, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do, he can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. See there again and again in verse 19 and 20, it says that Jesus sees things that God shows him that nobody else sees and that he does things alongside the Father. He cannot work unless the Father works as well. And so he does what the Father does and the Father does what the Son does. So he's claiming that his will and God's will are properly aligned in such a way that he is God himself because of his actions and because what he sees of the Father. That the Father can't actually do anything by himself, but he does things with the Son. We see that in verse 19. Jesus gave them a answer. I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus cannot act except as the Father acts. And then there's that personal love that is relating, uh, that is between the Father and Son as well, which is mentioned in verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Jesus is claiming this intimate relationship with God. And the Jews understand that by claiming that intimate relationship with God, he is making himself equal with God. He is putting himself on a divine plane rather than simply being on a human plane. He is equal with God and is divine himself. And it's not only that he claims this personal relationship with God to demonstrate his divinity. Jesus also, secondly, he claims to be God by showing that his power is equal with God as well, that he has the same power that God has. And he shows this in a couple of different ways. The first obvious way is by the way that he claims that he can break the Sabbath. It says in verse 17 that Jesus said to them, My father is always work at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Jesus is saying that God is always at work. It doesn't matter whether there's a Sabbath rest or not. God is always at work. He's always sustaining this world. He's always reigning supreme over it. He's always controlling it, whether it's a Sabbath day or not. And Jesus says, I too am working, regardless of whether it's a Sabbath day or not. And so he's claiming that he has power, like God, to work on a Sabbath day, that he's got a divine prerogative to do things on a Sabbath day because he is divine as God is divine. 
He also claims to have the power to do what the Father does, and we saw that when we looked at his intimate relationship with God, that he has the same, uh, his will is aligned with God's will to the extent that he does what God does, which of course implies that he has great power, he has divine power. But then there's specific things that are mentioned in this passage that show Jesus' power is divine. What does Jesus have the power to do? That God is the one who has power to do, that is, demonstrates God's power? Well, one of the powers that Jesus has that is God's power is to raise the dead. We see that in verse 21. Verse 21 of John chapter 5, it says, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. What is the divine power that God has? Well, it's to give life, to raise the dead. And Jesus then says, I also have that power to give life, to raise the dead, which is demonstrating that he has divine power, that he is God himself. And he goes on to speak about that in more detail in following verses. Verse 24 and following, it says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. We see Jesus has this power to give life that God is generally only attributed to have. That is to raise the dead. And so it's demonstrating Jesus' divinity in the fact that he has this resurrecting power. Also, we see that Jesus claims to have power in judgment, a power that is usually only attributed to God power to judge all things. And we see that in verse 22. After he's spoken about the fact that he has power to give life, he goes on to say in verse 22, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. He who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Jesus claims that all judgment has been given over to him, which is a divine claim. God is the one who has all judgment. And so if Jesus has all judgment, then he must be divine. And it goes on, uh, he goes on to expound, expand on this in verses 27 through to verse 30. Verse 27 of John chapter 5, it says, And he has given him, so that's God has given Jesus, authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. And we read that in Daniel 7 about this Son of Man who is given all power to judge, and Jesus is that Son of Man. And then he goes on to say in verse 28, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who, hear, who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. So Jesus tells us again, a couple of different ways, that he is the one who judges, which is a divine claim. So John 5, this passage from verses 16 down to 30, is a wonderful statement, a wonderful confirmation of the Trinity. Now the Holy Spirit's not mentioned here, but definitely Father, Son are mentioned. And so we see that they are both divine, but they are different persons. They're both divine but different persons. There is the Father, there is the Son, but both 
are divine. They both have power to raise the, uh, the dead, to give life, and they both have power to judge. And they have this intimate connection, this intimate relationship, which demonstrates equality with one another. Now, how should people respond to a passage like this, to a declaration that Jesus is divine, that Jesus is God? Well, Jesus actually tells us. He tells us what we should do if Jesus is divine, if Jesus is the judge, if Jesus is the one that has eternal life and gives it to people, then what should we do? Well, verse 22 uh, leads it into verse 23 and tells us what we should do. Verse 22 reads, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. He who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. If Jesus is God, what are you to do? You are to honour him. You are to give him respect. Just as you are to give respect to God, to God the Father, and honour him, you are also to honour the Son. And if you do not honour the Son, you do not honour the Father. Now, how do you honour Jesus Christ? How do you honour Jesus Christ so that you can be raised to life? That is the reason we'd want to honour the Son, is so that we can have that eternal life that he gives so that when we die, we actually come back to life. And when we are judged, we are right with God. We are right with the Son because we've honoured him. How do you go about honouring the Son? How do you go on about honouring Jesus? Well, the first thing you need to do is recognise his divinity. Recognise that what he has, recognize what he has said here is a claim to divine power, that he is divine, that he is God himself, that he has power over death, that he has power to judge. We need to recognise his personal relationship with the Father. We need to affirm that. We need to affirm what he teaches here, to recognise that there is no higher authority than Jesus Christ, and we need to give him that honour that is due to him. But we've got to be careful here that we don't just recognise that Jesus said these things, but we actually affirm them as true, that we believe that this is indeed true. Because there's people here in this passage who recognise what Jesus is saying, but they don't actually believe it. That is the Jewish leaders in this passage. They clearly understood what Jesus was getting at. We see that in verse 18. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. These Jewish leaders weren't misunderstanding Jesus. They understood perfectly well what he was saying. They recognised his claims to divinity, but they did not believe that that was indeed true. They recognised his claim, but did not trust in him. They did not honour him as was due him because they did not believe that what Jesus was saying was actually true. They recognised Jesus thought it was true, but they did not think that it was true. Jesus doesn't want you to simply be amazed at his divine claims. He wants you to believe that they are true. These people were amazed. It says that in verse 20. Jesus says in verse 20, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. 
These people were amazed by Jesus' divine claim that, he, that someone would be so audacious as to claim that he was equal with God. But Jesus says, don't be amazed in verse 28. Verse 28, it says, do not be amazed at this, for the time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice. No, he doesn't want you to be amazed at his audaciousness in claiming to be divine. He wants you to believe it, that it is indeed true, that it's not just true for Jesus, but it's true for you as well, that Jesus is the judge, that Jesus is the life giver, that Jesus is the one who has an intimate relationship with the Father. And we're told to indeed believe these things. In verse 24, it says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. What are we meant to do? We're meant to respect the Son. How do we respect the Son? By believing in the one that sent the Son and believing the Son himself. And if you do that, what happens? Well, verse 24 told us, you have crossed over from death to life. It's as simple as that. If you believe in the Father, if you believe in the Son, that is respecting them, and you then cross over from death to life. You need to trust in Jesus Christ this morning. You need to lean on him. Have him be the one that you depend upon for eternal life and no other. Because there is no other greater than him. He is the divine judge. He is the life giver. He is the son sent by the father. And so if you've never honoured the son before, if you've never believed the words of Jesus Christ that are contained in this passage that he is the judge, that he is the life giver, today is the day that you need to begin. It doesn't matter what age you are, even children, if you've never honoured the son before, today is the day. I encourage you, if you're listening, children, that you should begin to trust in Jesus Christ from a young age. Don't delay. Don't leave it till you're much older. Start respecting Jesus while you are young. Begin a life of trust in Jesus Christ. Don't delay. And if you're older and you think, oh, I'll wait until I'm a little bit older, until I'm close to my deathbed, which was my, my thinking when I was younger, I could go out and sin as much as I liked, and just before I was about to die, that's when I would trust in the Son and have my sins forgiven. Don't delay. You don't know when your time will be up. You don't know when you'll be taken before that judgment throne. Don't delay. Begin respecting the Son today. Begin by respecting him in repentance and faith. Believe that his words are true, not just for Jesus, not just for others, but for you personally. So that the words of verse 24 apply to you, that you will not be condemned, but instead you have crossed over from death to life. And if you are a Christian and you've trusted in Jesus Christ for a long time, you've given him that respect that he deserves, that you believe that he is indeed divine and that the Father sent him, do you affirm to others that they need to honour Christ by believing in him as well? If you don't know who needs salvation around you, then a good test question comes from this passage. How do the people around you Treat Jesus Christ. If you want to know who you should be evangelising, ask, how do they treat Jesus Christ? 
What do they think of Jesus? Do they respect him? Or do they disrespect him? Do they believe in him? Or do they respond to Jesus in unbelief? If they disrespect Jesus, if they do not honour the Son, then they are people that you need to be sharing the gospel with. There's tremendous cultural pressure in our country and in Western countries like ours to say that every religion honours God, that it doesn't matter how you approach God, as long as you approach him, you have crossed over from death to life, regardless of your religion. It's called religious pluralism, that every religion leads to God. What does religious pluralism do? It undermines Jesus Christ. It undermines the honour that is due him. And this is not a new battle. Satan uses the same old tricks again and again through history. Satan has undermined Christ's divinity from the beginning. He's always attacked the truth that Jesus is divine. Why does Satan do that? Why does he attack Christ's divinity? Because he knows that to undermine Christ's divinity is to undermine God. If people don't honour Jesus, they don't honour God. It's as simple as that. It doesn't matter what they say about God, whatever God may be to them. If they don't honour Christ as God, they don't honour God because that is what this passage teaches. Verse 22 and 23 say, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but is entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. He who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Do you see what it's saying there? It doesn't matter what you say about God at the end of the day. It's what you say about Jesus Christ. You can say all kinds of glorious things about God. But if you do not honour the Son, you do not honour God, is what this passage is saying. That means that in all kinds of places of worship all around this world and even in our own country that claim to honour God, where people are gathered even maybe this morning, God is dishonoured in such places of worship by the way that they treat Jesus Christ. In Jewish temples, God is not honoured because Christ is not honoured. In Muslim mosques, God, their Allah, is not honoured because Christ is not honoured. Allah is just another, is the Arabic word for God originally. And so they claim to worship God. They claim to worship the God of the Bible, although the Bible's been tampered in some way. They claim to worship that God, but they do not worship that God. Why? Because they do not honour the Son. And if you do not honour the Son, you do not honour God. It's as simple as that. In Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Halls, God isn't honoured. Jehovah is not honoured because they do not honour the Son, because they do not recognise that Jesus is divine. Jehovah's Witnesses are particularly deceitful because they claim to worship Jehovah, which is the name that we often give to the God of the Old Testament to God himself. And so they claim to witness to Jehovah, but they don't witness to Jehovah because they don't witness to Christ. They don't witness to the fact that Jesus is divine. They don't witness to the fact that Jesus is God. And so they're not witnessing for Jehovah at all. They're witnessing for their own false God. And they claim to worship Jehovah, but they don't worship Jehovah because they don't worship Jesus. And in the divinity schools of universities in countries like ours, 
that claim that they're teaching about God, God isn't honoured in such places because Christ isn't honoured. At Sydney University here in our country, Barbara Thiering was one of the lecturers there in the Divinity School and she wrote a book claiming to have the truth about Jesus. And one of the paragraphs in this book has this to say about Jesus Christ. She claims to have the truth. This is what she says. She says, he, that's Jesus, seems to have had a high intelligence, a gift for words, a great wit, many sayings attributed to him play upon words with intricate layers of meaning, but in no sense that we now understand was he more than a gifted human being, one who saves because he first went through the suffering of being human. God is not found in people, nor in places, nor in words. God is that which cannot be named or defined or known. This is what is being taught in divinity schools in universities like the one just down the road at Sydney. They do not honour God with statements like this because they do not honour the Son. They do not respect the Son. They do not recognise that Jesus is God. She called her book, Jesus the Man because she does not recognise that Jesus is God. But she's not original. She claims to have this new truth about Jesus, but she's not original because the Pharisees got in before her. We saw that in verse 18, didn't we? For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. They didn't like it then, and people still don't like it today. It's not a new truth. It's Satan's same old trick because he knows that if I can get people to disrespect the Son, they disrespect God because they're one and the same. They're two different persons, yes, but they're one and the same. There's the same substance. And it's simply not true. As much as the Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witnesses may say it, as much as the Muslims may say it, as much as the Jews say it, as much as lecturers at divinity schools say it, It's not true. It wasn't true in the first century that Jesus wasn't God. And it's not true in the 21st century that Jesus isn't God. The word of God says that Christ is more than man. He is divine. And so we need to be careful that we don't buckle to that cultural pressure. We need to keep affirming the need to people that they have to honour Christ. They have to honour Christ. Why? Because the stakes are high. How high? Eternal high. They go to eternal life or they don't. They're condemned or they cross over from death to life. That's how high the stakes are. And we need to keep on saying it to people that they need to honour the Son. Now you may say I'm not affected as much in this regard because I don't know that many people who don't honour the Son. Well, this passage affects you every time a JW knocks on the door. Every time they knock on the door, this passage has something to say to that person. And then you have something to say to that person. This passage affects you every time you talk to a Muslim co-worker about Jesus Christ. And they say something about Jesus, then you have this passage that says something very different from what they say about Jesus. And so it affects you. This passage affects you when you may go to a fitness class and are given a book about Jesus Christ. That's how I became aware of Barbara Thiering's book, Jesus the Man. Someone in our church went to a fitness class, picked up this book, was given it, took it home, started to read it, thought it'd be about Jesus, which it claims to be. 
But it's another Jesus altogether. It's a fictional Jesus because it begins to deny Jesus' divinity. It's a totally different Jesus. So there you go. You think you're going out doing something nice, going to a fitness class, and you come back with some heresy. It affects you, this passage. You've got to be very careful to think that, oh, yes, Jesus is divine, and I don't have, I've got that clear in my mind, and I don't have to do anything more with a passage like this. No, you have to be aware that there are many people out there who do not respect the Son as they should. And you need to be someone who goes around telling people that they need to honour Christ because otherwise they will not live eternally in heaven. Don't help pave the way for people to go to the condemnation of hell for eternity by keeping your lips closed about the need to honour Christ. Tell people unashamedly that they must honour Christ in order to honour God. When they say, oh yes, I, I, I have great respect for God, say, well, do you have respect for the Son? Because so many people will be happy to say, oh yes, I believe in God, but they won't say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And that then means they don't believe in the God of the Bible at all. How you treat the Son shows how you treat the Father. But we need to speak to people about this. You need to speak gently to them. We need to speak boldly, but we also need to speak gently. It should grieve us, a passage like this, when we understand that if people do not honour the Son, they do not honour the Father, and then there's so many people out there who do not honour the Son. It should not make us feel like, oh, we're so clever, we've got the right news. It should grieve us. And so we should gently want to speak to people about their need to honour the Son. We should be bold in not shrinking back, but we should also be gentle in the way that we proclaim it. Because Satan doesn't want people to honour Christ. He wants you to dishonour Christ. And then if you do honour Christ, the best he can do then is try and keep your lips closed in telling others to honour Christ. Don't give in. Hold firmly to the word. Hold firmly to verse 23, where it tells us, He who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. This is a politically incorrect statement in our culture. But don't shrink back from it, because it's politically correct for God. And at the end of the day, that's the only politician you want to be following, because he is the one who is judge of all things. Let's come before God in prayer. Let's speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this part of your word, which tells us so plainly that Jesus is indeed divine, that he is God, that he has power to judge, that he has power to give life, that he has an intimate relationship with you, which no one can claim except him. Oh, Lord, it is so marvellous to know these truths and to believe them. But Lord, we pray that we would not keep this message to ourselves, but we may proclaim to those, particularly those who claim to know God, that we may proclaim to them that they need to honour the Son if they are to honour the Father, that if they are to honour God, they must honour Christ. Lord, may we not shrink back from this truth, but may we proclaim it boldly and gently to those around us, as we see them not honouring the Son as they should. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.